Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next Strategy Skills podcast. And today I want to talk about you know, basically what is corporate strategy and how does it fit in and link to a sort of a business case analysis, business unit strategy, management skills analysis, organizational design, and so on. Because I feel that a lot of consultants and executives in industry use the terms interchangeably. They use them as if it's the same thing. You know, strategy has become a catch-all phrase for business unit strategy, marketing strategy, pricing strategy. And I hear people say things like, well, I've been on five strategy studies, so now I understand strategy. And I want to point out that corporate strategy is different from the other forms of strategy. And unless you've been on a corporate strategy study and have worked on the corporate strategy stream within the study, it's highly unlikely you're going to understand corporate strategy. And I've got many more videos on what is corporate strategy, how it differs from the other types of strategy. But in this podcast, I just want to touch on it. You know, if you're a subscriber to the executive program, you can see all those videos. But I think it's important that as you follow the study through iTunes and YouTube and so on, you have a sense of why corporate strategy is so different. And I'll just give you an example of this. We have a lot of clients who want to go into private equity. Private equity seems to be a place people want to go. And they always end up doing due diligence work in consulting and industry and then saying they want to switch to private equity. And I always point out to them that if you're a junior person switching into private equity, yes, you've got to do due diligence work. The most senior you become, the expectation is you can do due diligence work. And then the expectation is that you can help a company understand which market you want to play in, which markets the company wants to play in, which region they want to play in, and which part of the value chain. You're basically taking a bet on a trend in private equity. And that bet had better be correct. And that ability to identify markets that are going to grow, regions that are going to grow, the value chain that are going to explode becomes more important the more senior you become. And the point I'm making to all these people trying to switch into private equity that at a senior level, if you've never been in a corporate strategy study and don't understand how to analyze markets, regions, and value chains, it's very unlikely that you're going to have the skill that the private equity firm is looking for to hire you at a senior level. It's just not going to happen. So those people who want to leave consulting and go into private equity at a more senior level, at the principal level, associate principal or partner level, I always make sure that they understand how to do corporate strategy. Even people who are now at McKinsey and BCG and Bain, I make sure they've been on a real corporate strategy study and they understand the inherent messiness that is corporate strategy. So what I've done here is I've put together kind of a, a breakdown of the way the power sector study is structured. And it's really, this is the focus of the entire executive program. This is what we teach uh, how to structure studies, right? We don't just say, wow, I did X on 15 different studies before I'm going to do it again because the problem is very different. So it all starts with corporate strategy. The role of corporate strategy is essentially to ask a few questions. Which market should you play in? Which region? And which part of the value chain? That's it. 
you can play in many different markets. You could play in the power market. You could decide to make scuba gears, bikinis, cell phones, computer games. It's a tough question. It's a tough question because you could literally play in any market you want, right? A conservative partner will say, well, you should only play in the power sector because you're a power company. A reckless partner could say, well, you know what? Search engines are growing. Why don't you become a search engine company? The issue is that how do you know a company can make that leap? How do you know where they should play? That is a skill that we are teaching in the executive program. Which region? The world's pretty big. You don't have the resources to play everywhere. What is your plan for growing and funding yourself? And which region fits into that? And obviously, which part of the value chain? The value chain is a layered component which tracks how the dollars spent flows through the different components. An example of this would be the making of an engine for a car, right? Let's assume it costs, I don't know, $20,000 to make an engine in a car. Per a car, the $20,000 is then broken up into the different suppliers who are manufacturing different parts of the car. More than just the manufacturing, there's the design, there's the testing, there's the fabrication, there's the assembly. Where do you want to play? The design, manufacturing, fabrication, or assembly? You have to make a very careful decision there. So you just say, well, I want to be involved in making car engines. Which part of the car engine and which part of the manufacturing process? You could just do design work and you could be very successful. But that's a conscious decision. You could just do the assembly work. You could do the fabrication part. So which part of the value chain becomes important? We have to understand which parts of the value chain are growing where the most profits lie, why do most profits lie, how is it likely to change over time? Can you see how complicated it gets, right? Once we make those decisions, we then have to say, are we creating value? Yeah, sure, it's okay to say that you want to build power stations, but can you do it in such a way that you earn more than your cost of capital when adjusted for risk? If you don't earn more than your cost of capital when adjusted for risk, have you created value? Even if you earn more than your cost of capital, is it a sufficient amount of additional value to please your shareholders? Your shareholders may want much more. So the question is, are you using shareholder capital effectively? How can you get more value? How can you create more returns for your shareholders in a way that minimizes your risk? So we'll come up with a strategy by looking at what is the mandate of the company, what its goals are, what the expectations are, all those wonderful things. But then we ask ourselves, are we creating value by doing this? And if you're not creating value by doing this, then why the hell are you doing this, right? Now, once we say yes, we go here. If it's a no, we go back to the drawing board. Once we say yes, we ask ourselves, what is the best structure for this company to follow organizationally to implement the strategy? How should it arrange its intellectual property? How should it incentivize its people? Should it have a permanent sales force that's paid a salary plus benefits or should it be paid on commission? What kind of culture and behavior are incentivized or created as a result of the structure that we would recommend? Once you have the overall structure, how must the individual business units within the overall structure be arranged? Is it a duplication of skills? Do we put all of the skills in one area? If all of the business units need the same skills, do we then move them to a corporate area and they draw down skills? Tough questions we have to ask. We have to do this at a macro level and at a micro level. Once we know what the corporate strategy is, we know it's going to create value. We figure out a way in terms of how to organize the company. 
we almost have a looping back system which says, okay, for the way we've decided to organize the company, is there a skills gap to implement the strategy? So to implement the strategies is different from operating the new strategy. The more radical the strategies, in this case, we are getting a company that has never built stations over the last 30 years to build a fleet of power stations. They, they don't know how to do it anymore. That's fairly radical. They don't have a division to do it, so we're basically creating a construction division for this utility. Do they have the skills to implement the strategy? Once they've implemented the strategy, can they operate the new strategy, which is different? Do they have manpower, people, to create a construction division? Then do they have the staff and resources and skills to actually run a construction division without going bankrupt? If the gap is material, either to implement it or operate it, the question we have to ask ourselves is, is the strategy then too much of a stretch for the company? Personally, yeah, this is a difficult one because I would never say, well, the company can't do it, let's adjust down. I would not do that as a partner. What I would tell the company is, look, this is where you have to be to create value. If you want to adjust down and change your strategy because you just don't have the manpower, understand that you're putting yourself at risk that you may not create enough value or you may even be taken out and never succeed in the space. So a lot of, I think, consulting firms, what they do is they water down strategies if it looks too difficult. Never do that. Because you're not helping the client. You're just making them implement something that cannot be sustainable. Once we know what skills are required in this particular study anyway, we they wanted us to use a balanced scorecard. So we said, now how do we measure value? What are the measurements of value and how do we break that down and cascade it across the organization? And how will we measure it and improve it? And finally, once we have that, we try to figure out what is the scope of the change being required? How much are we asking of employees? And how would we get them to change beyond changing the incentives? Because that's what most companies do, right? They send out a communication strategy. But honestly, if you want people to change, you have to change the incentivization model. And this is how corporate strategy drives everything, right? And you can see the BU strategy here, burden at the end, even though it doesn't have to go there. The BU strategy sits below corporate strategy. Once you know the strategy, we have to decide which BU support the strategy which BU should be sold or shut it down immediately, and how should those that are retained or scheduled for closure or sale be managed. When doing a study, it's always about the questions you are asking. If you are doing a corporate strategy study or any study whereby you're just going through a checklist without thinking through the implications and making adjustments as you go, then it's probably not the right way to do it. And hopefully you've enjoyed this in terms of understanding how corporate strategy drives all of the thinking across a very significant study here. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.